0: Barry, I never, I, as I told you, I never make notes for for anything that, that we do. Um, I, I, I never sort of come in with a piece of paper written down because I like things to be off the cuff. I do research and I try and make sure I'm as prepped as possible. But I feel like any time that I have notes that I'm worried I'm going to sound too structured and too like I'm reading off a script. But when you kindly agreed to come in and, and do an interview, I thought, there's just too much stuff. So for the first time <laughs> ever, for the first time ever, uh, I've, ri- I've got a monster list of things to get for And I'm typed I d- out a, a hundred, Absolutely. <laughs> I, um, uh, my writings are legible. So I, I thought better if I type it. No,
1: but sometimes that's, that, that's the key to, I remember once telling Dan Maskell when he was a uh, long time back, uh, when he, he was doing the early part of, of setting up a match, uh, and you know, you get wanted pauses. You didn't want the whole thing. So uh, I said to him, you should put a piece at the top of the page, a piece in the middle of the page, a piece in the bottom of the page. So you are forced to look down and draw breath again. God, uh, I get of uh, and, and most of my writing, my, my wife would tell you is, is dreadful. But did you make notes then? S- sometimes I'd scribble uh, points that, that, that had to include in an opening or whatever. Uh, but I wasn't a great one for making notes, and uh, uh, at the risk of sounding uh, somewhat whatever, um, I reckon that the best matches I did were probably those where I felt I hadn't done enough preparation. Really? Uh, and often, you know, just sort of scribbled down a few notes. I mean, there was a, a classic when uh, Jan Cruyff brought Barcelona to beat Sampdoria at Wembley in the European Cup final and I've been doing gymnastics with uh, Mitch Fenner and he had a very good system I mean in gymnastics you you have the the uh, team competition then the all-around competition and then the the uh, separate individual events, yeah. um, so we he had a special thing that we could peel off the notes of the people as as it became You know, it's the second competition, the third competition, and forget the others who weren't pretty. I thought this is a great idea. And and knowing that Cruyff wouldn't announce his team until quite late on, um, I decided to try this. And I went and pulled things, but for some reason it didn't quite work because they got stuck. (laughs) And I did that commentary on that match with, with. a load of paper on the floor <laughs> and all I had was the, was the match program.
0: And so, so for any given game, would you try and have some sort of system? Did you try and have a, 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 a written system? For you? Cause I've seen commentators now turning up with Bibles of information. And I just think, how are you going to get through that? You know, you've only got 90 minutes and there's mm. going to be so much going on. Are you going to use all of the no- those notes?
1: And, and if you're doing a recorded commentary, um, it can be a pain, uh, but, you know, you, because you're looking, you've got a good line and you want to try and get it in at the right moment. You want to get it in at a time when, you know, it's likely to make the edit. But but that becomes what well, I started like that. Did not, you? So you pretty.
0: had lines prepared that you uh, might? No, no, and... I
1: never had a line prepared, but I had a, a, a note on something uh, or the back of my mind, you know, I'd done the preparation that had to be the Eighteenth goal he scored from the halfway line, you know, sort of thing. Um, uh, and it, it, quite often it would happen, and I think, damn it, I forgot that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but uh, too too many notes. Uh, I I I didn't like. I did the preparation, mm. but and I you know sometimes had had the team written out. But latterly I I didn't. I mean I I, I knew players um without n- numbers i, I started w- in the world cup of 1966 and i was given north korea which which was off the end of the uh, of, of of the world as far as the english were concerned yeah. no idea where it was for a start um uh, and uh, i learned from photographs to identify all except one and that one was because my photograph he had long hair and they gave him a crew cut just before he left <laughs> so, um, but that stuck with me you know if you just said to me what number does bobby charlton wear uh or george Best wear yeah but you could pick so, him out oh, immediately from mark, the mark if you couldn't pick out those two you yeah. would have lasted too yeah long. <laughs> <laughs> you would have struggled to make yeah. a career out of it
0: yeah. and i uh, i've seen you say a couple of times that you that you wanted that to let the moments kind of speak for them speak for themselves and you never wanted to get maybe um overly animated or, or too animated because yeah. you were focused on allowing the moment to, to talk and to breathe and, and for you to kind of tell the audience what they were missing, sort of to, to fill in the bits that they were missing. Yeah. Um, I wondered, was there any points that you allowed? You, well, I mean, there's a couple that I've got in mind, but is there any that you can remember where you allowed yourself to really enjoy those big moments?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I enjoyed them anyway. Um, But it was just that I didn't want to fill things with words unless I had something that that was was something that came to me that I should be saying. But as I'm not prepared for what's going to happen, um, I could, in terms of of, of reading the game, say that you were making a run down the right when the camera's got a close up of me, you know, saying to me, you should pass it to him because he's in the gap but the television viewer isn't seeing you that I would say where you were. So uh, as it were, enlarge the picture. Uh, but at at key moments, you know, I, I said what I what came to mind or and, didn't. But I was I was very conscious. I mean, one of, one of the last World Cup I did 2002 when, when South Korea Beat uh, Spain and then Italy. I can't remember. Could we, I think yeah. it was Italy? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and they won in the penalty competition at the end. And and uh, when the ball went in, I didn't say a word. And I didn't say a word for for a good 20, 20 seconds. And one of the senior members of the BBC later that evening said, "Just love that. Just love that you didn't say anything." And I said, "What could I say? You know the." whole picture was of people in red jumping up and down in celebration of something that they couldn't have believed would happen. What could I add to that?
0: Did it feel like a long time at the time, the 20 seconds, or did you feel that she's just speaking perfectly?
1: Uh, I I don't know, because it's all intuitive, as far as I was concerned, you know, uh, which meant that sometimes I got it totally wrong. very 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 rarely I mean, <laughs> well, the... I could tell you a few but I'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> the the
0: the thing that sort of comes to mind for me and and I think the thing that made me fall in love with your commentary and and the tournament that made me fall in love with football was Euro 96 so that was my first proper tournament as a child that I was able to I don't think I was fully aware of what was going on but I understood and particularly being in the, being in England I understood the, the value and the importance to everyone. Everyone was getting together. Everyone was going to watch it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whatever the game was, people were getting together to watch games. Um, and by the end of the tournament, I was, I was absolutely hooked. I couldn't take my eyes off it and I was like begging my mum to stay up and and, and watch as it, things were moving into extra time. And we're coming to talk about the the England's um, performance in particular, but do you remember, do you remember that tournament? Do you remember how exciting it was to have, obviously you'd seen 66, but how exciting it was to have a, a tournament in the kind of modern age of like cameras being absolutely everywhere uh, in, in England?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I look up back on that with with uh, great enjoyment uh, and it was there was this very special atmosphere that that arrived uh, the first game wasn't that good uh, but Switzerland, as, the Switzerland one yeah um, Shearer scored and he hadn't scored for be. ages though had he beforehand? no he hadn't yeah, no he hadn't um, I think I was fairly lucky for him but I was very unlucky for, for Newcastle United. I know that, you know, I'm just making the connection there with yeah. his manager. And so Brendan Foster never let me forget it. We <laughs> always lose when you come. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, that's going off on a tangent, no, but but, but uh, which I tend to do from time to time. Um, the, yeah, it, it was a great tournament and I was very lucky because I, I it just bounced my way uh, through a decision that was made, which initially I thought was against me uh, because I I did uh, two cup finals yes Uh, and that year I did the cup final uh, so uh, Motti did did the European final Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know I slightly argued in a fairly friendly way that uh, why is the the guy who's given the job in May not the best man to, to do it in whatever it was in June, late July. June July yeah. um, but anyway um, but as a result of that I, I I mean I I did I did the Holland game which is probably the best performance I've ever seen from an England team but, and I, you know I can see the going run and and showing him and, and the turn out. of the body part, and part and buried by by Shearer. told you he scored a lot when I was on and the I would put the match against West Germany as being one of my favorites although we lost it I mean the the atmosphere was great Uh, a a lot is down till they found a decent song or uh, well, they wrote a decent song because that was you know even now and they, they've used it again since oh, yeah. uh, and they would they would use it again and might well be using it uh, a bit this evening as we're talking um because it's, it's such a good tune um but it, it was just a very special occasion and, and from from my point of view I mean, desmond Lyndham handed over quite early uh, f- from his position to to the commentary box um, is this is for the
0: semi-final
1: It's the semi-final right. yes uh sorry i've gone yeah you know, straight to the semi-final um and i didn't say very much during the course of the build-up because the crowd were in such good voice mm. and the atmosphere was, was and i thought this is how it should be yeah um and then the, the match was was interesting, and I still think if Gascoigne hadn't cut his toenails that morning, England would have won. See, weirdly, I always pinned it on Darren Anderton when the
0: book. Like, I don't know why. I always felt that Gascoigne was just a little bit further away than for some in my memory. You know how you, when you re- remember back a game and you yeah. remember it in the way that that you watched it. You know. Yeah. And you sort of watch things again via replay which doesn't feel quite right because it's not the the perception that you had at the time but i always felt as the ball was coming back to darren anderton on the edge of the kind of six yard box Mm. that he was in a position where he should have scored i've now watched it back and the ball was a mile behind him you know it was a miracle that he managed to get around it and hit the post in the first place and it was also a miracle that it went back to andres kupka in, in 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 goal and it just sort of Sort of kindly rolled into his lap almost. Yeah. Whereas Gascoigne, you now look at it and it was it was inches from yeah. from being. There. I mean,
1: he. I, I think he he said a little later on that he did hesitate, on that hesitation cost. The, yeah,
0: yeah. What might yeah. have been? Yeah. Um, should we talk a little bit about the 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 Netherlands game then? So that was one of the best the best games that you or the best performances you've ever seen
1: from an England team live. Um, yeah. And yeah. um, actually, I wasn't live. It was live on ITV. I was Oh, it was ITV? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, obviously, the BBC did it as well and gave it a, a good length, but it was highlights. Um, but, you, you know, I did it with uh, um, David Pleat, um, yeah. who I always enjoy working with. And, and uh, uh, we, we both did it as though we were live, because that's where you are. I mean, the sophistication in the editing. I mean, the days gone by, you had to, you know, as the goalkeeper ran up to take the goal kick, you had to stop whatever you were saying, so that you know it could, it, when the ball came down, it could have been a, a, a goal kick. Uh, Twenty minutes later, So, sort of. of. course, and that yeah. was a, just yeah. basic, simple things of they, were cut, they cut the tape with scissors when I started. Well, that, I mean, because I work,
0: I used to work on a on a highlight show, and we'd. I mean, we didn't really have those the same group of issues. I suppose it was separate issues that we had to yeah. work on. But yeah, th- there were. Uh, I was told that the kind of not too distant past, there was people quite literally running with the tapes to stitch them together and digitise them so they could oh, yeah. go through and be be
1: played yeah. out. It's like one of those things you've got on your desk, you know, little little little, little tape that you 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 pull from the little reel and stick down, and have have t- things together. See, that's
0: fascinating because my my memory of that game. Mm. is your commentary, but that obviously shows that I must have watched it so many times from the BBC highlights since. If it was on ITV, I must have watched it so many times afterwards. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think as well, my, my dad has always drilled it into me to watch the... Is it the third girl? The third girl, the one you were talking about, yeah. where Gascoigne yeah. sort of jinks inside and then Sheringham yeah, yeah. does the little shuffle and then yeah, yeah. dummies it to Sheer yeah. and he just smashes it. Yeah. But I mean, as a Tottenham fan, I was always looking at the Sheringham Pass. Yeah. The way that he put the defender on the floor with the pass. It yes. was such a well disguised yeah, yeah. pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the the, uh, the the line I think that, that stuck with me the most from that was, and it's probably, I was saying to one of our team off, off camera, it's probably my favourite ever line of commentary, and it's probably everyone else's least favourite, but it was, you just say, and now Gareth Southgate, and then nothing more, and then you just say, Oh no! Yeah. And the reason why it was so special for me was because it was such an instinctive and sort of almost guttural thing that it was like, oh no! Like it, yeah. it just summed up so perfectly what m- me as a child. But I imagine what the rest of the nation were feeling as well. At the yeah, time. I think probably a few adjectives
1: yeah. were added <laughs> by the rest <laughs> of <laughs> the nation
0: could have been another couple but, of words. But that, I mean, that was.
1: Uh, Penalty competitions now, I, I tend to get spoiled because it is, it is dramatic. Uh, but I mean, there's an instant replay of, it, of, of everything. Um, that, that was, I, I, when I look back and I think I'm, I think I'm being honest, I was worried about, about the, the run up, but you know, you can't say at least, I mean, could you look a righty if he puts it in the top yeah. corner and you said he <laughs> got it wrong? And I re- felt really sorry for Gareth. Um, but in many respects, it's been the making of him. Absolutely. Because he understands what that means. I mean, the worst moment of his life on the football field or to do with football has already happened some years ago now, 1996. Yeah. Mm. and And for you, were you watching, obviously, you're completely
0: in the mindset of a, of doing your job. But is there a bit of you that's when you when you're saying that line, is there a bit of you that's like, oh, no, for me as well. I'm an England fan. Like,
1: well, I mean, there is a responsibility there. If you look, I mean, you, you have to be objective, but yeah. you're still looking at it through English eyes. And obviously I wanted them to win. Even though I wasn't going to do the final, I should have. <laughs> 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 of course, I wanted them to win, uh, and it was it was a great game. And- mm poor John had a rubbish final as it did. It was, out, it was so, awful, wasn't it? it was yeah. like Oliver
0: Beerhoff scored like some deflected
1: goal and right. Extra oh, time. There was some debate about it too. I can't remember what oh, the debate it was. Rubbish final. Yeah, but the yeah.
0: game, the, the Germany game had just had so much to yeah, it. it did. You know, it was so much drama riding on it. And yeah. I rem- remember what you were saying as well about the, the beginning, that those those shots of the crowd, of the cameras just panning around the crowd right. and just just the nervous excitement, but you could just see how electric the atmosphere was just from seeing the images. Yes, which is absolutely fascinating. It's something that I remember really, really vividly, even though it was so long ago. Um, mm. And, and, and the, the, yeah, the the, fi- the the even though the final was rubbish, I was felt that the semi final was actually the, the game of that tournament.
1: No, yes, it was, it, with the possible exception of the Holland game. Yeah, um, yeah um, England were lucky against Spain. Absolutely, because had the the offside
0: or yeah. the the foul goal. Because yeah. I remember you saying, "Oh, the referee's called a push." Well, it was a push, and yeah. I watched it back. There was there was I mean there was nothing there was there yeah. when yeah. that a goal disallowed. Um, yeah. And did you manage to? So you're in the in the commentary box. Were you also responsible for doing any of the the post-match stuff? Did you speak to Terry Venables, for example, after the uh, game?
1: No, not no. There was I don't, can't remember who was who was doing that. But no. The, the so where does your job end Tony on Garner. the night? Like you 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 do, do you hand back to Des Line and and then or oh, just stop talking I mean, <laughs> um yeah I, I can't i to be honest i have no idea what the outline was because basically uh, it it died before the, the winning german penalty
0: yeah uh, and every, then that celebration as well yeah. oh. yes
1: yes still gets my back up yeah uh i think i'm playing well yeah very no, well yeah. um so
0: I asked you as well on about the, the allowing yourself to get excited. And one goal that sticks out for me that you definitely, definitely did enjoy was Dennis Bergkamp in 1998. Yeah, I went went off the scale. The <laughs> yeah, the, scale. I've written I here. <laughs> I said I think I wrote it was um, the perfect level of peaking on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that it, that it, you get, because of it, it almost adds a bit of character to the commentary. So can you just tell us about how you watched that goal unfold? just for, for, for people who maybe ne- haven't necessarily seen that goal.
1: Uh, I mean, it was in, in a way only two people involved in it. I mean, the De Boers long clearance. And I always have to think which of the De Bois, So that's why I didn't put a question there. Yeah. Uh, and the way it was pulled down. I mean, it was as though he had an extra, extra uh, part of his ankle that he could b- bring the, that the super toes cool, back to, to, to kill it. So, so well, uh, it was brilliant absolutely brilliant Um, and and, uh, people often ask me before a match what do you think is going to happen today Uh, and my answer and I I hope it's not misunderstood uh, is to say I don't know and that's why I'm here that's what I enjoy and I had no idea what I was going to say about that I mean it just happened Um, and you know that's that's me for good or ill. Uh, if I'd have said something else that, that, that didn't work, didn't, it didn't, you know, it was just a magnificent goal. Sadly, he disappeared totally f- after after that round. Mm. It wasn't a factor for them. I thought they were going to win it after that. D- all yeah. the momentum was with yeah. them. I mean, it was yeah. such a
0: special goal as well at yeah. like the time of the game that it came. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, it always stood out for me because I, I, I could remember you sort of saying that it, it was sort of not necessarily something that came naturally to you to go that to go that level of uh, that. There is a bit. Well, it must have just been a very special goal at the time.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about that. Right. OK, OK. I didn't. And I quite often, possibly too often, didn't think about what was going to happen.
0: Right. Okay. Uh,
1: because although you can sometimes see a really good move. I mean, I was delighted when, I, when, when they invited me back to celebrate the 50th anniversary of, 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 of Match of the Day. Uh, I actually saw, saw a goal quite early in, in the, the, the West Ham and Crystal Palace and I thought, ah, a bit of touch still there. But I have to tell you, I had no idea how many <laughs> substitutes they <that> were allowed <laughs> and the pace of the game and moved much quicker.
0: Do you, and, do, do, was that the, something that you were beginning to notice? I um, oh, were... no, it know.
1: I mean, it was just—I uh, don't know. You, I don't think I noticed it necessarily. Well, I, I probably had from watching it, but it's different when you're commentating on it. And, it, and it, the game was was quicker.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you
1: know, you don't often see too many people dwelling on the ball now. Days yeah. gone by, it was—you know—the the Trevor Brookings of this world could dictate the game on a uh, on a good day. I mean, people say that. He was a bit short of pace and he was a bit short of pace, but my God, he, he had a lot of other attributes uh, and. People who could put their foot on the ball and dictate the timing of things, is brilliant, but it's become increasingly difficult to do. I'm really interested in what
0: you just said about uh, Trevor Brooking, because I saw a, a couple of quotes from you from a couple of years back that he was one of your favourite co-commentators. Yes. What was it about working with someone like Trevor Brooking? What was it w- that made him such a good co-commentator? Well, say?
1: you see, when I when I first started, when, when when co-commentators or experts or, or I can't remember what they used to be called, uh, there, there was another analyst, no, maybe me or something uh, like that. Um summarizer, right? That's, that's and and um, the the employment of, of of people alongside the commentator was to actually watch the game not necessarily comment on every item that happens, but just after 10 minutes, come in and, and give a, a synopsis of why the game is going the way that it is, why A are beating B and what B have got to do to, to stop A winning. Uh, and the, Don Reevey was brilliant at it. Um, and Trevor Brooking was, was of that mould of being able to, you know, to, to look at a game. I remember once working with, with, with Don Howe, um, who at half time I said to him, I, "I'm absolutely fascinated by by what you've said, and you've said so many things that you know I'm picking up." But I said, "I'm slightly worried that you might have confused the viewer, because you've said so many things that it's good, it's beginning to be a hard work for them." I said, it, it. You know, he, he was he understood the, the point, but I think that's a danger as to what has happened and in a way that is why i I felt that I'd done long enough on match of the day because i, I you know I needed to have live matches in order for my style right for, for what it's worth uh, could be either enjoyed or not enjoyed as the case may be but but my appreciation of, of the game if it's not being sort of, I'm not expressing this terribly well. Uh, the, I've said to you that, that my, my style of what it's worth was was instinctive. Mm. And sometimes I didn't want to say something. But, but the summarizer would come through and say something. Uh, and it, it, it wasn't so much that it bothered me. But I, but I you know, it, it's like you and I are talking now. If there's a football match going on there, you're going to say to me after a few minutes, oh, shut up Barry for a minute, well, you know, let's watch the game. And, 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 and that I think is the danger of what's what's happened now with the commentary because it is a two man job or two women job as well. Um, and there's a danger that some are talking at the viewer and not giving the viewer time to have his own opinion. That's such a good point. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, my way is right, but I felt that it wouldn't. That, well, I knew that the person I was working for did not appreciate that point. So.
0: It, well, it It's fascinating what you say, because I hadn't really taken into account the fact that every single second now is filled. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's and it's not just you've got commentary Analyst or co-com, probably two co-commentators now for, for big games, yeah. alongside someone who's watching it at pitch level, someone yeah. who's then also with the managers and is bringing you updates from the touchline. Mm. There is no point in the game that is left to speak for itself, regardless of what it is or regardless of how important it is. So, no, I can I completely understand that it, it. If you've got a certain style of commentary, and then you the 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 kind of Environment switches to needing to cram as much information into a a, a window as possible, particularly with Match of the Day, mm. because the edits come in at what between six mm. six to eight minutes, perhaps for mm. uh, for a big game. You, you perhaps there's now not the the maybe the desire to have to have that style of commentary. Is that fair?
1: I think that possibly. Possibly is fair. Although I think that, that there are one or two very good commentators around, and when, when people say to me that they talk too much, uh, I don't blame a commentator for that, I blame the producer. Right. You know, um, producers in, in, in the early time of, 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 of my career would say, shut up. <laughs> you know, but uh, well, they don't do that now. You get I the mean, shout in your ear. I remember one, one young uh, um, um, AP. Came to me once, and, and uh, we were talking about something, and I said, "Why didn't you tell me?" And he said, well, "We can't tell you and John." I said, "Of course you can tell. You know, you you may have spotted something that I'm doing, which is an, which is annoying half the, the nation." Uh, I'd rather be told and to, be, to think about the way I was approaching something. But but when it came to the general style of commentary, my, my my view was that I opened my mouth and hope, had, when I thought it was appropriate and hoped that my foot was sufficiently far removed from it. <laughs> and that was my whole approach to it, which, which you know, I, I, I wasn't a, a, one for sort of ringing the manager three times in the week with the match that I'm going to do. I used to occasionally chat to people when I was watching another match and you'd perhaps be in the ballroom and you'd meet a manager of another team and you'd m- manage to move in knowing in two or three weeks time you're going to be doing and new point that you want to make. Um, I, I I, just, it was instinctive for good or ill. And, and one man's commentary does another man's irritation. So I, that that you, you, you have to accept.
0: I, I wrote a note to myself saying, uh, don't say any of his lines back to him. And I realise I've done that already about 15 times over the last <laughs> 20 minutes. But are there any lines that um, that people still come up and say to you? Are there any lines that people still want to talk about? Or are there any lines that you yourself are quite fond of?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the latter. I mean, I, 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 I do know what I've said on, on certain, uh, certain matches, certain occasions. And and yes, people do still come and do that even now. And that was uh, one of the enjoyments. I mean, the the public have been really generous with me. So indeed have the press. Uh, It's much harder for a commentator now with, with, you know, all uh, uh, all the things that come up on, on television and on your, your uh, social media, social media generally. Uh, it's much tougher. And I wonder how it would be if, if I was around now, whether I would have people say, get him off. Um, uh, it, it, it's it, it's just a, a joy when people would come up and say, you remember when you said so-and-so and sometimes I sort of nodded, thinking, "Did I?" Yeah. You know, but people, because of uh, they remember because it was their team that I said something about. I mean, that's one of the things. And sometimes, if you find if you find the the right words, um, they they're remembered, and, and that's quite nice. And there the, the, there are apparently a few.
0: Yeah, so one in particular um, that, that is very popular in my household at home um, is uh, is the Gascoigne. Is he going to have a crack? Yeah. And again, it's uh, of course you couldn't have known that Gascoigne was going to have a free kick thirty yards out that he was going to then send screaming into the top corner. Right. Um, but uh, what is it that what is it that made you think that? I know you've probably spoken about this a million times, but indulge me. I, I, I'm so fascinated as to the kind of what's running through your mind when you see that.
1: Exactly. Why thought. I'm, I'm looking down at it. I think Cracky's going to have a go. So I said his guest's going to have a can have a go, and he is, you know. And then the other bit bit followed. I think that. Uh, sorry, go on. Um, I can't remember what I said after that, but I, I it's it, it's he is you know is is and they, they made some t-shirts Yeah, top of them yeah it was it, it was a cracking goal uh, unless your name was david seaman yeah well because that was the next was, line yeah
0: he got his hands and couldn't hold yes and spurs yes. take the lead it's paul gascoigne and that yeah. was the was that oh. Thank you. Well, (laughs) that was. I mean,
1: you should have been around if I lost my voice. I'd (laughs) have sent for you immediately.
0: (laughs) But that that was that was one of those ones, and it sort of was burned into again, burned into my psyche as a Tottenham fan that that was kind of drilled into you as as a rite of passage that you should know that goal (laughs) um, and know those cons as well. Um, And I think the thing was that grabbed me is that it was almost like you were you were having a one man conversation with yourself, but you were at the same time. Saying things that the audience felt were were natural, right? Isn't it you're saying, is he going to have a crack? He's, you know, he's sort of, you're you're doing the caller and response thing for yeah. us. Yeah. W- was that an, a very natural thing as well? Or was that something that you had tried to kind of incorporate within within your commentary style? No. Completely just off the off yeah. the cuff. That's fab. That's so. Well, it,
1: it's, you know, sometimes it didn't work. I mean, if he, he could have sliced it and it hit the corner flag, and, and you know. <laughs> Everybody would have said, well, I mean, that's always a danger. We were talking about widening the horizon of people. I mean, the moment that you say that you're making your run down the wing and, and I'm expecting this guy to pass the ball and he trips over the ball, then somebody say, why, why is he rabbiting on about something I can't see? Because the camera wouldn't have gone to you. You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So mm-hmm. I, I'm interested then that one that I don't think got picked up in the in the bbc doc that they they did on you Mm. was from 1973 so going back a little bit and it was england versus poland one all i believe Mm -hmm. and you made like the most unbelievable call ever Um, and it, it like i've watched it back a few times and and i was surprised that that didn't get picked up because that was one of those times when you must have seen how the pitch was laid out and how it was going to play out over the next 10 seconds right i couldn't remember who the player was but you said it was something along the lines of he has to make it and he does norman hunter
1: yeah who was you know very one-footed he uh, was a good, really good player he played more games for England than a fellow called bobby moore hadn't been around uh, no i mean you you could say that was an element of me doing my homework uh, because I'd been to watch the, the polls poles, uh, and I got talking to their uh, their coach and their manager. Their coach spoke really quite good English, um, and uh, you know I knew how they were they were going to set out, and I I just saw the 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 map of the pitch exactly, and. and they could be in trouble. I, I, I just just said it because that that's how that's how I saw it. I didn't know that. You know, if if, if uh, um, Pat Jennings had been in goal, probably they wouldn't have scored because he'd have kicked it out. Mm. But but Peter Shorten he was a he brilliant said that, goalkeeper. Hasn't he? not yeah, I mean he he dived slightly over it. As he said that,
0: I didn't know that. He, he said that uh, he was too young at the time, and that he if he was a little bit more experienced, he would yeah. have gone with his leg. Yeah. And, and just try to get it out of there yeah, as opposed yeah. to try to yeah. make like, the perfect save yeah. Yeah. and get his body behind it. I,
1: I mean, it's, it's quite a, a lot of saves are now made by arms, legs and whatever. Uh, when I, I in, the, so in the early days of, of, uh, of doing football and, and about that time, you know, who said what about the goalkeeper? The other goalkeeper, Brian Clough. Said that he was a clown. Yeah, he wasn't. He was brilliant, but his style was so foreign to English goalkeeping. They would come for crosses and so on and so forth. He was punching and everything, wasn't he? Yeah, but that that was his style. And he, I mean, he had an absolute stormer that night.
0: Yeah, incredible. England should
1: still have won the match, but they didn't. I was, you know, the contrast between Euro '96 defeat and that defeat. Uh, again, I was recorded, Hugh Jones was live for, uh, for ITV. Um, uh, and, uh, I um, it was, it was. Wembley at the end of that match suddenly became, found itself in the middle of Siberia. It was the most extraordinary feeling in the stadium. Really? You know, I mean, England did qualify for the World Cups. Yeah. Nobody ever thought they might not. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, and
0: yeah you're in the, Yeah. in that weird uh Yeah people don't know what to do themselves, do they in that kind of it's a similar story when, when we the, the famous Steve McLaren era where we failed to qualify and we had Scott yeah. Carson, I think, let one yeah. let one through. And it just the disbelief that England weren't going to a major tournament. I yeah. mean what is going on here? Yeah. This is yeah. bizarre to people because yeah. that's everyone's summer. Um mm. I, uh, uh, there's so many different memories that I wanted to sort of pick up on you, but I'd maybe just one, one, one more memory was uh, that I assume for you, one of the biggest full time, and I know that you've said that it, it was not your favourite moment in '86, yeah. but. So maybe we'll leave the first one because no, I no no I,
1: I mean I've, I've I'm on record saying but it just
0: annoyed me watching it this morning seeing him run away and celebrate oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, seeing yeah. his no, little I, hand come out and no. then him running off in celebration I so thought weirdly I wasn't even alive and I was yeah. getting angry watching it because it just I felt like watching Maradona do something like that and then celebrate in that way I felt so cheated and I hadn't even watched the game. So let's pick up on let's pick up on the on the on the second goal because um I also saw you say that you wanted to make a clear distinction that when people remember the line that it's pure football genius yes. and not sheer football genius. Yes. Why is that distinction so important?
1: Because of what has happened before. Because uh, I mean the first goal was was total cheating. Uh and the reason that I'm upset with myself, apart from the fact that I, you know the, the, the referee and linesman were totally inadequate for a <laughs> match of that quality, um, the, my, my 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 feeling uh, was I didn't know what had happened, and I didn't have the courage to stay with that position. I was th- thinking about it, uh, and stupidly I said you know, perhaps they think it was offside, which was ridiculous because the ball had come across from a miss kick by one of the England defenders. Um, and that's what really bugged me uh, because I should have said, I don't know. And I mean, I had to do the replays with with somebody talking in my ear from London, telling me, you know, Shilton's going up now, the hand's going up now. Uh, they didn't have uh, it done they didn't show it clearly from the coverage in in uh, in Mexico City. You couldn't
0: you could you absolutely couldn't sit you there's no way anyone could have picked that anyway. I mean what I mean in- from that distance on the camera one it's, it yeah. would have been an outstanding shout. You would have had to have unbelievable 2020 <laughs> vision but um but I, th- I did think that you 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 then naturally rescued it anyway because then you said then you said or are they appealing for a hand like, yeah. and then and then it kind of rolled quite naturally into the image yeah. that then played out on screen which is yeah, then the that i don't know how to... much
1: i think i was probably uh, over the years that's been uh, edited a little bit to Oh that is it. that is very very humble and I'm, I'm, I'm sure
0: I'm sure it was guess, is, is mean, a smoot, it, it that?
1: obviously seemed much longer to me than it was
0: And so that I think that's the interesting thing right is that when it's got when um, you've got one of those beautiful moments that play out in front of you, that time must just fly you know you can leave something for 20 seconds and it flies because yeah, yeah. you've got that complete poetry just yeah. happening there yeah. but when it's something when it's sort of frantic, that five seconds must feel like forever. Is that fair, or yeah. am I oh, yeah. uh, am oh, I no, Absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. But that's life, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And it, mm-hmm. it's sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes having that. It's, it's a very rare skill, isn't it, mm-hmm. to have someone mm-hmm. that can take mm-hmm. a breath in those situations mm-hmm. and just go, let's slow things down a little yeah, bit. Yeah.
1: Very, very rare. Um, but uh, the reason the reason uh, asking the question that you asked rather than the one that I answered. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted I, I mean, I, I didn't think what I was going to say, but I just hoped I had said that. And when somebody said that I said sheer, I thought, no, I, I hope I didn't because it was significant to me. And it's what came into my mind. Go one cheat, go one pure genius. Yeah. And the word pure was significant. Did you to me. F-
0: did you feel ag- again? I I know it's, it's hard to draw a distinction, but did you feel aggrieved when you're watching from a even maybe just from
1: a, a football fan perspective, to see someone cheat on that level—oh, I hate it. That's—I mean, the, the, what's happening now is is ridiculous, and I FIFA are entirely responsible for it. I mean, In the ninety-eight World Cup, I can't uh, in, in France. Um, um, God, I can't. I can't remember the, the the names, but I I did a match that where somebody was sent off and and and. Uh, it was put before FIFA, and, and FIFA added, having looked at it, seen that how the, the, the referee was conned, gave the guy who was sent off a, a, a second match suspension, which was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's, there's there's so much cheating that goes on now, and I find it very depressing.
0: I quite like that. Though. I I, no, I don't like the cheating. I like yeah. that you d- that you don't enjoy it because it seems like at the moment there's a lot of people who condone the idea of. Do whatever it takes, you know. And I'm
1: no, if you if you get a nudge in the box, you should go down. That that that, you know. If you're not totally in with your chance of a shot, it, it, somebody nudges, nudges you, because when when you get that wrong, when your acting is it, it, insufficiently good, <laughs> put it that way, um, it's, it's 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 horrible.
0: And so, do you, are you still? How much do you watch football at the moment? Are you still allowing yourself to kind of do you support a side, for example? Are you following a team?
1: Uh, Yeah, I follow various uh, teams. Um, uh, Spurs, as you know, I've told you before, was um, my team as a kid. And then when I was working, I I bent over backwards to make sure that uh, um, nobody knew that. Yeah, because yes. it's the first criticism of a commentator of course. is that you're biased and you're biased against rather than biased for. Um, I, I follow Tottenham. I I I, uh, I follow Burton Albion because it's it's Nigel Clough's team. Um, I, I don't know Nigel well, but but uh, I knew knew his dad quite well, and, and I know him well enough. Um, and when Brian had all the problems at Nottingham Forest when they one of the directors was uh, accusing him Um, and it was uh, Nigel who asked me to to uh, read something out for him on football focus Um, so there's an affinity there with with well yeah and I mean I wrote to him when he got the job at Derby and obviously I hoped he was going to be successful of course He's, he's probably too nice a guy and his dad I was very fond of his dad, yeah. uh, but, but but he was a likable rogue. You did get that impression from any interview that
0: uh, interview scenario that I've seen of you with him, or mm. sort of conversations of you even talking about him, that you have a soft spot for the fact that he had a mischievous side. You know that yeah. that, that, that he was he was. I was a
1: character. Yeah, that he was, was, was a character. But I mean, I can. I remember um, I was at Leeds the day that Brian Clough got sacked. I'd gone to, to do, just to do an interview and we fell upon a, a story which was actually covered, the newspaper were, were, were involved and in ITV had an exclusive from Brian Moore and so on and so forth. Um, but I sat, just Brian and I in his dressing room talking about how the hell this had happened. Uh, I, just off the record, obviously. And then later that night, I sat down with a lot of other members of the of the media, because the story had you know, some obviously uh, grown and grown during the course of the day. And, uh, uh, he looked over to me, he, he was in full, full voice and so on and so forth. And so He looked over to me and said, you don't look very happy. So I said, well, I don't think there's too much to be happy about here. Um, and, uh, he looked at me and he put his hand in his pocket, took out an envelope and passed it over to me. Uh, and as he did so, he said, I said, you've failed here. And it was at that point that prompted him with the letter. And he said, is that failure? And I, I didn't open it and hmm. passed it back to him. And I, well, clearly it was the check that he'd, payoff check that he'd been paid, which I could have found out about, but I didn't, and I said to him, if you call that, if you don't call that failure, you call that success, you're not the man I thought you were. So uh, that's how it was, and it was no more said. I I discovered later in life that in fact, it was success for him because it set up his family life. Uh, You know, he didn't have to worry too much about how much he was going to earn at future times, anyway, he went. He went to Brighton, came to Nottingham Forest, uh, and they were playing Tottenham in a in a, in a cup tie, uh, and they were training uh, prior to the to cup tie at Bisham Abbey, and I went down to do an interview with, with him, generally, not not specific to the to the Tottenham match. Um, and during the course of the interview, I said to him, there are people at Leeds who say, you know nothing about football. And it's the only time I saw him stop for a moment. You know, he's always quick on the, on, on the button. Uh, and he said, well, if uh, if that's their belief, they're just wrong or some sort of line like that. We went, we had a, uh, a swift half in the, in the <laughs> <local> <laughs> pub swift afterwards. Half. And then I had, I I rang Brian to fix an interview and Peter Taylor answered the telephone in uh, forest. And I said, is Brian there? And he said, well, he's not available or words that affect because they they, they like to to do that, like to make harm. So I said, well, could you check with him? Uh, Because I don't think he's too far away from you, whether he would be prepared to do an interview at Bishop Abbey when you're down there training back came the message. Brian wants to know why you want to talk to him and he knows nothing about football. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay, all right. He said, you better ring him again if you want to speak with him. (laughs) So I put the phone down and I thought, hang on, what's he talking about? And I realized that he was referring back to uh, the comment that I'd made that night at Allen Road, so I rang him up and said, "Hi, Peter. I said it's clear that Brian is 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 with you. Um, would you just tell him that if he thinks that I think that, then he's off his head?" <laughs> and that that was the sort of relationship which, over the over the years, ended up with him kissing me on the cheek when when on the sad day when he when. Uh, um, forest went down and uh, uh, you know he was just he, he, having been on the wagon for a while somebody offered him a drink at the wrong time and he was on it, on it again. Uh, I was really, really very sad um, but we always had that you know I, I said to him once that if, if, if I could play this game to the sort of standard that's required which I certainly can't uh, I said, I would have played for you for one of two reasons. Either because you were encouraging me and I knew I had your backing or because I was damn well going to prove you wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you're, "You're, that's how you coach, manage. And he said, is there any other way?
0: <laughs> did, you so, allow, yeah. uh, did you allow yourself um, t- to get emotionally invested? in some people that you came across on, on your way?
1: Yeah, I suppose I did. Uh, I mean, he, he's, you know, there were people that I liked a lot. Um, I didn't get Im- emotionally involved in people that, that I didn't like. Mm. But I, probably you'd have to be a, a real so-and-so for me not to like you, because I, gen- <laughs> I generally do like people. <laughs> um, yeah, but. Why
0: do you think, um, that he particularly picked you up when he was saying, you don't look happy. Well, why do you think he sort of... I, I
1: don't know. I mean, it, it, it just, it, he remembered that part of, 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 of the interview. Um, I don't know, he was I mean, just sort of stirring it a little bit. But the, there was a sort of s- sad postscript, you know, a journalist called Matthew Norman, who was then writing for The Evening Standard and I think still does, and he writes for other papers too. And he he wrote a piece uh, a couple of days after Brown died. And I happened to be on a plane uh, and got got onto the plane, opened the paper, because I'd seen somebody else's uh, Evening Standard and I could see there was a piece about Clough. And he'd written a piece about Clough and about me actually Quitting match of the day, and he he joined us together, and I, and I was very grateful that I was sitting on my own, and nobody could see. Uh, as my eyes became very moist indeed. Mm. Um, I was I was really fond of him. I I think I knew him for what he was, because he was uh, you know the the, the 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 best living member of the Labour Party there's ever been probably.
0: Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely agreed. Um, you, a lot of people, I imagine, were quite intimidated by him because oh yeah, it, he didn't suffer fools and he didn't mince his words.
1: Was true, You, I mean, I've, I've been in. I've been in the. Uh, I was once in the. Was it? Uh, I think it was a, a forest or a Derby, when I was in, in the in the tunnel waiting to get teams and things um and uh, he came in and I moaned about all oh, these media people here and so on and so forth and on another occasion when 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 the same situation waiting for the for the teams he came past how are you want a cup of tea <laughs> he, he took me into the dressing room and said to uh, oh cracky it was that lovely sc- scottish player who scored a brilliant goal in the in the world cup when scotland were going out in oh god ah uh, midfield winger not gemmel yes archie gemmel. and he gave, uh, apologies archie um he asked he said told archie gemmel go and get mr Davies a cup of tea and we're 20 minutes for the kickoff can you um yeah I can mean, you know, he, he did sort things like that, which, which were appealing. <laughs> but I'm sure at times, I mean, in that moment, Archie Gemmill must have hated him. Um, but you know, he, he lived with things like that. He did different things.
0: Can you imagine now, Pep Guardiola saying to
1: Well, you wouldn't get I the, mean,
0: it. Just <laughs> go, go and get someone a cup of tea. Yeah. That, that's just yeah. incredible. Yeah, Absolutely incredible. I mean, it's
1: actually quite sad because most of it, I mean, Old Trafford, like a lot of other grounds, is, is Fort Knox now. Yeah, it's very much so. Yeah. And lucky. I think that's really sad. I mean, I, I, I could uh, be, uh, say, talking to Howard Kendall at, at Everton, coming, walking across the pitch, waiting to do a post-match interview. And we could have been talking about all sorts of other things. Uh, and occasionally you'd pick up some some story and some useful thing put in the back of your mind. But never did I take advantage of that. And, and I wouldn't.
0: Do you think that was because you had a, a, a strong moral compass and you felt there was a sense of ethics in what you were doing? Or do you think that that just wasn't the case at that time?
1: Yeah, I probably acted against the, um, journalistic uh, requirements. But no, I mean, I just felt that you had to have the confidence of uh, of somebody, that, you know, because people do speak out of turn. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and the and general style of interviewing now is to catch the guy out, which, which yeah. I, I can't stand that. Yeah. I can't stand that idea.
0: Was there anyone that you were um, afraid of? Was there anyone you were intimidated by when you went to go and do an interview? Because I've seen you interview a lot, I mean, and, and across such a range of it's sports. Thing,
1: you know, it's the thing I enjoyed most of all. Really? Interviewing. Yeah, I did a series called Maestro a few years back, right? In in the eighties, 80s, early eighties. 80s. Uh, did piece with George Best among others. um No, I I, I loved I loved interviewing. No, I, I I I never had any problems from 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 anybody, and I I don't think I ducked out of asking key questions. But I but I accept that I accepted that that. You know, you can ask and you can ask it a different way. And if you're still getting a blank, then forget it and move on. Because uh, in some cases it's unfair.
0: Yes. And, 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 and also I, some people just that can be the trigger between an interview that's going well and an interview that goes completely off off piece. Right. Yeah, well,
1: nobody's ever turned around and walked away.
0: Well, that's, some, that's something. Um,
1: you know, I mean, uh, talking to, to uh, um, uh the famous manager of Manchester United uh he could be very difficult to interview but you just had to you know, go with well, were it. straight with him and and when when the bbc was out of out of uh uh, uh out of order as far as he was concerned because of a story that had broken which was nothing to do with match of the day and so on and so forth uh um I know he said to Motti and he said to me, nothing personal in this. I mean, he wouldn't come to do it. Alex Ferguson
0: said to you yeah. after the, the, the incident with his son, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: and he, he was at a match and, and he came over and said, you know, I'm not doing an interview, but it's nothing personal. Wow. And he said the same to John, I believe.
0: And did you, um, how much do you appreciate that as on a, on a human level that you, that Obviously, he admired and appreciated the work that you did enough or Or was it more just a case of this is just sad that it, it's happening?
1: I don't think it worried him too much that he wasn't doing interviews. But then I think the BBC pussyfooted around about it. Mm. You know, uh, I remember a, a, a match. or did a match against Tottenham, Tottenham, third round of the FA Cup one year. and. Uh, He had fallen out with the Sky Reporter in midweek. And when I arrived at the ground, this was a Sunday afternoon match. I was, I had to go and talk to the chairman, to persuade Fergie to to, uh, um, do interviews or let his players be interviewed because he's put the complete blank on it. So I said, for God's sake, why? And the story was because they didn't win the team of the year and they, I can't remember what they won the year before, probably it was the European Cup, but the, the theme of the year had been Torval and Dean on a totally different sport in, in sport, sports. <laughs> you. And I said, well, what Christ's <laughs> I say? Say that, say that. I mean, maybe not the Torval and Dean yeah. bit, but I mean, uh, but, but nobody ever challenged him. Did, not did, did you? Um, I, I, I asked him straight questions, I, I, I believe. I never had, a, never had a Barney with him. He kicked Motty up in the air once, a, a famous interview, not <laughs> literally, but he did He did get very cross with him. And I think it was just John's un, unlucky day um, because it was not the matter with the question that he asked.
0: But you did. You, you weren't intimidated but, by that sort of style that he, he had. Um, yeah. But it seems to me that you even just in the short time I've been speaking to you and from watching your interviews, that it would be very, very difficult for any manager. To find fault in the way that you carried yourself, asked questions, interacted with mm. people, um, and I think also just listening to you talk about the fact that you could have a conversation with someone as you're walking over the pitch, mm. and then them have complete faith in you not to mm. bring that up. Yeah, well, I been... mean,
1: people would people would would know if if they'd you know just. Made some off the cuff mm-hmm. remark rather than telling me. Uh, I'm not suggesting that I was getting a scoop a scoop every third week. Uh, yeah. But but uh, I think people, if you're having a private conversation, you know. Yeah.
0: But I don't know how much that exists anymore.
1: It probably you know? doesn't. I don't know. That do don't doesn't. Know. That doesn't feel like know. a very.
0: That doesn't know. feel I like know. something that's very prevalent. And it certainly doesn't feel like I don't. I mean, again, I wouldn't know the ins and outs of some of the, the the very elite journalists that are out there now who do seem to have the trust and the confidence of uh, of uh, of managers and uh, and of players. But it doesn't feel like a as an uh, as natural a natural thing. Particularly when you said about like United being like Fort Knox, it feels like most football clubs now you might have to go through four or five layers of people, speak to the right person, the right person, the right person, who then eventually put you in touch with someone who might be able to facilitate. What you want to do yeah. um, and, and yeah. gone are the days as me notes come. gone, um, gone are the days where, uh, where you could just go and have a conversation with someone?
1: Yes, I mean and fairly long gone, but I'm sure it's got worse. You know I, mean, I left Match of the Day in 2004. And we're in 2019 now.
0: Yeah, can, <laughs> can we talk a little bit about Match of the day? Yeah. Do, I must
1: it, tell you a little about one, one, one interview you know, like that I'd always look back on with great, great pleasure go I'm on. Just, with Ian Wright. Oh, when fair. Ian Wright was trying to break the Arsenal uh, record, and he, you know, went match just couldn't score, couldn't score. Yeah, and he kept uh, being asked about it, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was always the first question. And and you know, he, he was being quite generous in his response, but but clearly was fed up to the back teeth <laughs> it. it was, uh, and was, I was told to go interview him. After a match, when once again he'd failed to score, I looked at him. I said, "Flipping pain this record, isn't it?" And he just burst out laughing. I mean, he would—he laughed very easily. Uh, but but uh, you know, sometimes uh, you don't have to ask a question. You, you know, if I say to you, "What about that then?" You're thinking, "What's he talking about?" But you—you you know, the camera's on you. I mean, you must know this. You—you you work in this business, but. Uh, the the uh, I love the the art of interviewing. It is not to get the person uh, out of his stride, but you don't have to always ask a question. And sometimes when you get an answer, if you don't ask the next question, but just look at the guy, he thinks, oh, cracking the camera's done on me. I might well say something that, that's not guarded. Um, which I suppose is it, that that's a in a way uh, a bit of trickery but it's it can, it can happen I mean,
0: I think that's, uh, I mean that's a private example but I think like that's something I really struggle with
1: yeah
0: I think that's something that I, I particularly find really difficult is where, that I feel a natural inclination to when someone finishes talking to almost be reassuring do, do, do you know what I mean mm-hmm. by that in that if they finish talking that um, I should reassure them that what they've said is is enough. Whereas in actual fact, it just like, goes
1: to prove you're a nicer guy than I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, not, a, not a chance. But I, I, think there's a, there's a. I don't know what, what, whether what that is in me, but I, like I, 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 sort of, perhaps a, an uncomfortability with the idea of there just being that silence there. But as you've probably proved a million times in your career, sometimes that's really, it can really work. beneficial. It can work. Um, who did you enjoy interviewing? Was there anyone in particular that you look back on? Um, because I find that really fascinating that, you, uh, that you're remembered so fondly for, for your comms. But w- when I was going through all these old interviews, you do seem very, when you when the camera cuts back to you, you seem really, really, uh, um, not only at peace and comfortable, and uh, but um, engaged in that environment. Like you're getting mm. a lot from it. You know, there's an mm. energy coming from you.
1: Oh, I enjoy you. talking to people.
0: So who did you and like? And you've had
1: long enough. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, so who, do, uh, who did you enjoy chatting to? Oh, I, I wouldn't like to pick out anybody in particular. You can't pick any I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to, I put Johan Cruyff uh, uh, high on my list, and he wasn't the easiest. But, what, but we did a series uh, before the Euros a few years back now, or probably more years than I think about. Um, I, I, I met him first of all when uh, he was a, a player at Barcelona, uh, and I did an interview, and it was done in the referees' room. And he came in smoking, which sadly <laughs> finished finished him off in the end. Um, and Rinus Michels was was the coach then, who subsequently was the uh, coach of Holland in '74. And uh, I put his cigarette down uh, on the ashtray and said. If Mikos comes in, that's yours, OK? Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, so I mean, I found that sort of quite appealing. And, yeah. and anyway, subsequently doing this series for, for uh, uh, all the countries in, in the Euros of that, I can't remember which year, which years it was, um, but we wanted to talk to Cruyff about the great uh, um, years of Holland uh, in the World Cup. And uh, it, it was agreed, and we went. I can't remember where we were, but but uh, may, have been, may have been back in Barcelona. Or it, but he was he was um, managing at the time, um, and he apparently had said, "Well, you can have three minutes." And of course, we wanted a lot more than that. Uh, and we started the interview. And he'd said, I, "I can only allow you." To, Uh, these three minutes so we started I didn't say anything and we came to the end of the three minutes which only just touched the surface but but was very interesting and he seemed quite happy talking Um, he said sorry but I have to go because I have a commitment but I'm only going to be away half an hour and then I'll be back if you want to wait if you can wait then I'll come back to you and he came back more or less on the spot. And the, the, the producer I was with, and well, I said, great, as soon as he said that, I said, wonderful, we'll do that. <laughs> the producer said, oh, come on. <laughs> um, and anyway, he came back and we just chatted away. And he said, oh, goodness me, he said, I should be out on the training ground. <laughs> he completely, he was lost in this sort of general natter, which he was doing most of the talking, of course. Which is what we wanted, and, and he, was, he was very. He was a very interesting guy, and he's he, he's the guy that started this. I mean, Pep's getting a lot of, a, a lot of the credit, and I, I don't know Pep Guardiola. I've uh, um, never met him because he, he's been around at a time when i had gone, um, but I'm sure that that that's where his his uh, his knowledge of the game, wonderful, as a player and and as a coach, could be very awkward with people though. No doubt about that. Particularly, yeah. you know, with certain players. Yes, would would tell you it's a pain in the backside. But he's brilliant. Intentionally awkward. No, oh, sometimes yes, yes. Some managers are. I sometimes it works. You provoke somebody, you might, you know, you can make up afterwards. But uh, <laughs> depends what you're looking for.
0: Were you ever nervous going into in, going into interview
1: situations? Probably. If you can now ask me, who I couldn't tell you.
0: No, not who, just more the um, the feeling, like because you've met so many people. Um, I'm interested to know whether if it was a, a heightened a heightened occasion, or if it was a 1994 World Cup final, for example. Mm. Maybe I'm just doing commentary for that. Going into, were you nervous, or did you get a rush from the excitement of I'm going to do something amazing today?
1: I think you have to have a certain amount of uh, of high blood pressure for not too long when i mean you you need the motivation you need uh um, what's the word adrenaline adrenaline yeah uh yeah i mean you, you do you do need a certain amount of adrenaline to get to get you going um but it's controlling that you know um Sometimes you can be, you can be very nervous and cover it up. I mean, other people. Uh, you know, I went to see my uh, one of my grandsons. He uh, was eight. Uh, the thing that he had at school, he was very nervous uh, beforehand, and he was by a distance the best in the school. He only had three lines to say, but he projected them. He said them at a pace that his granddad could. Could follow, uh, I, I, and uh, he was he was very good. But you need you need that. It's it's what you're learning to control the uh, the tension.
0: You, so you mentioned your family a bit there, and I'd love to, if it's okay, ask you a little mm-hmm. bit more about them because mm-hmm. they again seem immensely proud of you. The way that they speak so fondly of you um, and you of them, you must have a very close knit family and support network.
1: They pull my leg about my use of the word "togetherness," um, because that's what I've always tried to do. I failed many times, but but it's it's yes, we do we do we do have a close knit family, and uh, where we live at the moment, uh, my son and his wife and four four children are three minutes away, uh, and my daughter and her. Husband and two children are five minutes away. Wow. So we're very lucky. And when the grandchildren call in and we see them grow up, we're very lucky in that. So, sorry, how many grandkiddies do you have? Six.
0: Six. Yeah. And are they uh, uh, quite a wide variety of ages, ages or are they The youngest quite young? is
1: six uh, and the oldest is 17. And how much
0: have you enjoyed? Uh, watching, watching them sort of go through their first oh. experiences of oh, yeah. sport and performing. Yeah,
1: um, well, my my seventeen-year-old, she's now had to stop doing uh, she acrobatic gymnastics, but she was on the edge of, of international recognition on that. Absolutely fantastic, she was. at think, um, and her sister's a good hockey player, good, uh, good. Uh, Netball and things. Uh, um, the others are, are just sort of moving into the stage of being being watched a bit more. Um, the eleven-year-old, the, uh, one of the twins. She's she's very good at gymnastics and ballet and things. Very very subtle on her feet and you know very comfortable movement and the rest of it. And I, I well, how much that comes down to my wife because my wife was good at things like that too. Um, and, and, uh, my daughter, um, she was sort of Southern area champion and, uh, under 10. Uh, she was a very good gymnast and then, uh, had 10 years as being the, the director of communications at the International Olympic Committee. So, I mean, the, and my son's was in, in Boat race teams and things like that is now head of British Rowing, um, so they've all gone into sport. But I, I haven't needed to give any encouragement, and he still plays, still plays football. My son on uh, Wednesday evening, it's very important. <laughs> still turning but, out, and we always, you know, he, he always a phone call afterwards as to how it went <laughs> and so on. And so forth.
0: Um, your your wife must have um, been incredibly patient. With the with um, me, yeah, with absolutely, the, right. <laughs> absolutely right, absolutely <Yes>. right. With <laughs> the amount of time that you would have had to be away, um, because it, I mean, I mean, I've only done two or three major tournaments now, but you suddenly realise that oh, I'm going to disappear for a month and just or six weeks, maybe. Um, how did you manage that at the time? Because you covered pretty much every major tournament on every sport for about, what, 30, 40 years?
1: Probably. Yeah, probably more than that. But what's the secret? There's there's another story to this. My wife worked for British Airways. No way. Yes. She worked for British Airways. I knew her before she went to work for British Airways. Uh, um, But she went back uh, when they decided they could take married women, uh, she went back and we, we talked about it. But as a result of her having that job, um, my children have been very lucky and they've seen quite a lot of the world. And so have I, uh, because the British Airways that was, not as it is now, I'm sorry to say, um, were quite generous in, in, in uh, giving you know tickets to spouse and, and well not giving them you still had to pay for them but not nothing like <laughs> as much as if, if you were checking in without uh, any connection
0: so would they come out and visit you whatever the tournament was they'd be able uh, not, to come out uh, well or?
1: i mean when we, when we got when we got married uh we had a sort of second honeymoon at the six, 1968 olympic games would you believe which was my first um but no i mean it was, it's Two ways round. We, you know, she'd have, uh, in the days when she was doing it, uh, uh, you'd go to uh, Barbados and you'd be there for five days. Perhaps do one shuttle over to another. Mm. So, you know, if if it happened to be during the school holidays, and I happened to be free, we'd all go. So, So, so I mean, she anybody who wanted to break into our house would would have found it quite difficult to find that we had any sort of uh, routine uh, because it was always changing and and, um, it's possibly one of the reasons why uh, our family has been close because there were times when Penny had to be mum and dad and times when I had to be mum and dad when she was on a trip and I was on a trip. We only ever crossed the front door once. You know, amazing. Really? Yeah. But I mean that wor- it worked.
0: It worked. So what's the uh, secret? What advice can you give <laughs> to uh, a young-ish person who's going to major tournaments fairly regularly <laughs> to keep his uh, keep his girlfriend happy?
1: Well, get her a job in <laughs> 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 no, no, I wouldn't recommend that these days. No, I mean it's it's a matter of luck, it's give and take in these things. Isn't it? Uh, so you don't have to take them. Sort of too seriously, but if you do the sort of job that I have done and the sort of job that she, she has done, you have to be uh, uh, make allowances for things. I mean, she would arrive home, say from New York, uh, uh, and uh, um, early in the morning, six o'clock or whatever the time was, and then take the kids to school. She, you know, she was she was. Prepared to bend her life, and so was I. Possibly a few times that I might have cheated, of, of you know. No, no, sorry, I'm not available to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but not, yeah. Um.
0: Finally, I, I just want to ask you: you've covered such a, a wide range of sports. What is it? do you think because you mentioned the fact that the the the, the public or the mm-hmm. viewers everyone has taken to you across every sport there you, you go back there's not any times in in your career it would seem that people have gone this guy's a fraud this guy is he's not into hockey he's mm-hmm. he's not uh, he's not keen on gymnastics people took to you uh, across every different um whatever whatever competition it was people were happy to hear your voice. Why do you think that was? Why do you think people just felt this natural affinity to you, to hearing you commentate on it? Cracky. I know that's a very <laughs> difficult question to throw on you and is asking you to <laughs> basically be incredibly... Uh, what do you want me uh, to say? Because I'm
1: absolutely brilliant. That's, that's why. the one. No, <laughs> no. I mean, that's total but, nonsense. There, mu-
0: there, must be, there must be something, maybe I could tell you why I think it is and then you can tell me whether you agree with it or not Um, I think that your tone was always one or I never felt listening to your commentary that you were in any way condescending or any way trying to preach or in any way trying to act as if you were holier than thou as if you had more information than the viewer it always felt like that whenever I was watching a football game that I was watching it with you um, as opposed to you uh, passing information down onto the audience, um, and and it felt like that th- there was a trust that uh, if I was watching hockey th- th- at the Olympics, or if I was watching um, any sport, I mean particularly Wimbledon, particularly when when it would turn over and we get to the Wimbledon period of the of the year, mm. because I would have watched football for eight months, mm. but I trusted your voice in football, and therefore. I automatically trusted your voice for tennis because, oh, it's Barry Davis doing the commentary, therefore we'll be fine. You know, um, is that a fair analysis? Is that something that you think maybe is is, is akin to, to how people have viewed your commentary over the years?
1: I still find that an impossible question to answer. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, people, I've said it, uh, have, have been very generous uh, in, in, in their approach. Uh, I've felt that, that my job, certainly in, in football, is to put you in your seat in the grandstand, which, and occasionally I would talk to you in the commentary, but I won't talk at you. Um, and and you know, there were times when I, probably you might have known more, because you been following this team more than I have. It's your team. You might have been better informed than I was. Um, I, I have loved the variety because you see I mean, if you, if you do the boat race, which I did for 12 years um, and incidentally still do the, 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 um, uh, a bit for uh, overseas on the boat race. Um, when you see the preparation that they go into and how they come out of, you know, up in the morning on the ergs, et cetera, et cetera, I, I mean, an enormous amount just to be on the water for about 20 minutes. And on one occasion, when I was lucky enough to be the commentator, get victory or defeat by one foot. You know, um, And I think that because of looking at other sports, I mean, there's a bit of a, a, a thing about football and some of the people that follow it who think that's the only game in the world. There are lots of other games and, and, and I just enjoy watching games. I just wish that I had the talent to play at Wembley or Wimbledon or um, row in the boat race or whatever. Um, but it's true. I've just opened my mouth and hoped.
0: Is there uh, anything left that you want to commentate on? Is there anything or anyone you left that you want to interview, or any stone that's sort of left unturned?
1: I would like to have done more occasion commentary and I came very close to it, but it didn't sit right. Um, I, I enjoyed, I, I had a dozen years doing the Lord Mayor's Show and i done one or two other things and of course I've done opening ceremonies, which a lot of people say is a complete waste of time, uh, but it's not in my opinion, because um, each country wants to present itself and, and I think that's important. Uh, there's always at least one act too many and probably two specially written songs too many. <laughs> but I, I've enjoyed that. I, I would love to, I always wanted to do, uh, maybe it's a bit morbid, but I would love to, to have done the armistice uh, uh, at Whitehall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I came close to that, but I th- think that uh, there were some people who, who at that stage, I hadn't done quite as much, Uh, of other sports, I might have said, you know, know, he's a football commentator, you know. There's a certain, the sports item in the news programme is the one that gets pushed out first if some story happens. Um, So that attitude may have been there. Uh, But that's that's lots of people I would love to interview. I did once interview Muhammad Ali, um, or Cassius Clay as he was then. Shows how long ago that was. This um, is quite extraordinary personality. Um, no, I mean I would happily interview anybody provided I had, uh, you know, n- enough time to prepare and, and know my subject.
0: So if we were to say dream scenario, Barry, look, we're short of an interviewer and we've got this huge interview tomorrow. What name would I have to say in oh. order for you to come out and 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 join the ranks for a day?
1: Oh, mm, thank you. I can't. I can't just I
0: can't. I'll put you on the spot. Again, yeah. <laughs> it's so
1: unfair. No Literally mean, well, preparation I mean, for this you know, whatsoever. People might might sort of think, well, it would be somebody in sport, somebody. I don't know. I I, I, I would there are a few politicians I would like to interview. Maybe uh, Theresa May at this precise moment would be quite interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah,
0: very interesting. Yeah. I'm going I'm to make some you calls. You have quoted
1: that one. Interesting. Very
0: interesting so do you know (laughs) why do you know why and and that's the one that's the one i get most it's so funny because uh (laughs) one of the members of the team said to me you're gonna say about interesting very interesting and i said i'm not <laughs> because it's the one that you get the most yeah. because it's the one that everyone must yeah. ask you about all the time yeah. and i thought you must be yeah. sick to death of hearing people say it back to you which is why i wrote to myself don't don't quote any of your lines and <laughs> i've just proceeded over the last hour to just basically say all your lines back to you anyway um but yeah that that was that was one of the ones that i thought it must be all the yeah, time that, that, and just that, look at his face
1: that 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 one uh, prove that the art of commentary is to say the same thing twice and for your voice to crack in the middle of it
0: <laughs> and get a microphone just to peek at the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. absolutely perfect yeah. barry i i mean I've that, was, so-
1: that i mean sorry but it, but in fairness uh i mean that you know the fact that i concentrated on franny lee's face i mean it was just something that hit me he looked like a, a schoolboy who who just pinched the cream or whatever that's mixing my metaphors but i mean he he, he was playing for Derby County against the side that he used to play for and was worshipped there. The, 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 the Manchester City supporters applauded the goal as much as the Derby supporters that day. Uh, and he'd left the club under a little bit of a, 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 of, a, of a cloud. And it was just all there in his face, you know. He knew he'd scored one of the great goals. Um, and it showed. And he was, he was like a 15-year-old who just got into the school team and the score in the first minute.
0: But once again, your um, your view was to, I'm not gonna tell you, you as an audience member, no, that's an amazing goal, huh. but I'm gonna give you the bit that is gonna tell you the context, you know, it's gonna tell you perhaps what you maybe can't quite get because you're not sitting in the grandstand, you know, which I think is uh, just, it's been wonderful to listen to for me and and particularly for my, my family as well. Like I was saying to you before, me and my dad have listened to hundreds of your lines probably hundreds of times uh watching back spurs games and watching back wimbledon and watching back olympic games and uh, yeah I, I can't say thank you enough for spending some time with us it's been uh, it's been a bit of a dream come true for me so thank you very much mate. Well, it's, it's been
1: mostly very enjoyable but some <laughs> impossible questions
0: <laughs> next time next time <laughs>